as well as to yourself. Sometimes we show up for ourselves and sometimes we show up for others. For those of you who may be with us, maybe for the, one of the first times or you have not yet heard, um, our beautiful, our wonderful, our lovely Sharon went home to be with the Lord this week. There are no words that will ever fit inside of language to explain who Sharon is. But I tell you that the effort that she made last week to be here was so on purpose. It was a choice that she made that reflected who she was. And although we have grief on this side of the veil, we know she is laughing that iconic laugh and saying, what? What are you crying about? Look at me run. But I'm so grateful that God understands grief. He understands sorrow. He understands coming together and the power that we get just when we realize that there's someone on either side of us that understands loss. So today, although it's not Sharon's celebration of life service, this is Sharon's church. And when I say this is Sharon's church, so we're gonna honor Sharon today, it's not because Sharon came to church here. And it's not because Sharon worked here, because her heart for this house was so seamless that I don't remember when she started quote unquote working here, because she just always served her first love of Jesus through this house. I'm honored that her family is here. And we waste no time this morning singing meaningless words. I just keep thinking, we're gonna join Sharon this morning singing. Her worship has not stopped, and nor can ours. And so this morning we're gonna worship. Kyle will be in with us soon. Just wanna let you know that pastors Ron and Irene happen to be taking their 30th wedding anniversary trip. Otherwise, they would be here with us. There's been so many well wishes that have come in. For those of you who've been at this house for a long time, sweet Nancy Dean, she loves this house. She uh, retired and moved to Georgia, and she just, if you could have heard the voicemail she left for this house, it was beautiful, broken, but beautiful. So today, we just focus on what we've learned from Sharon. That's specifically what we want to talk about. And Sharon had a way of teaching all of us without saying, now here's the lesson. 
She just like went about her father's business and you saw that it was different than probably how you do your own business. And then you just watched her. So we're going to look to Jesus with her this morning. And it's just gonna be what it's gonna be. Oh my God, you are good. In this place we raise your name. You are still good. You are still lovely. And you are to be praised. So we praise your name. You spoke those words that there be light, and it was old. In that same breath, stars fell in line. With one voice, creation cries, you do all things well. You do all things well. Be praised, be praised, be praised, be praised. Be brave. 
kingdom is simple, as simple as love. You welcome the children, you stop for the one. We want to see people the way Jesus does. Your kingdom is simple, Lord, teach it to Pero 
Yes, you reign. Yes, you reign. Yes, you reign. You still reign. Yes, you reign. You are king. We stand in your presence today. We live to sing your name. Oh, we live to sing your name. Father, I thank you that you speak the language of billions. I thank you that you speak the language of each individual heart in this place and watching. I thank you that you speak the language of every mind, of every person in this room, and for those who are watching. I thank you that you understand the things that are in places within us that have no language, that you have to just interpret because you know us. I thank you for speaking the language of the known, the language of everything and the language of nothing. thank you, Father, that you have placed me in this community so that I can look into the eyes of other people who love someone who you love so much. I see her in them, and I see you in them. And I thank you, God, that you will hold our gaze as long as we want. And I thank you, Father, that sometimes I look up to you with tears. Sometimes I look up at you with confusion. Sometimes I look up at you with praise. Sometimes I look up at you as a daughter. But God, thank you, Father, for holding my gaze no matter what you see in my eyes, God. Thank you for letting me see love in yours back. Thank you for letting each person in this room see love looking back at them this morning. There was one thing, God, that you always showed us about Sharon, and is that the glory of the Lord would follow her life. And I feel your glory in this room. It can cohabitate with grief, but God, I see it. I see it. I know it to be true. I can sense it, God, and I pray that you would make it palpable so that we can be embraced with it today as we embrace you as we honor share in your name amen amen thank you team for leading worship on probably the hardest day you've ever led worship for real you know these chairs didn't get up here by themselves the soundboard didn't get turned like everybody showing up has skin in the heart game today. So thank you guys for coming. You can have a seat. Yeah. Oh, kiddos. Yeah. Follow the yellow waving Don't follow the yellow brick road. Hand. Follow the sign. Follow the sign. <laughs> hey, can we give, uh, give the kiddos a hand as they're going? And the kids team this morning especially. You're fine.
Um, obviously, uh, Dex, obviously, church, we're having a different morning this morning, and I know Pastor D already explained that. And the reason why is because we just can't ignore the fact that someone who is so integral to this house for so long um, is not with us. And for, uh, you know, the truth is, and we're going to get to it in a second, you know, Romans 12 tells us that we rejoice with those who rejoice, and in mornings like this, we mourn with those who mourn. And it's okay to have a morning where you mourn. Because mourning lasts for the night, but joy comes in the morning. And we don't have, we're not, we're going to talk about it in just a second, but we're not like those who are without hope. I'm going to... everything but have proud microphone. Thanks, Tom. Thank you, buddy. And today, you know, we've been talking a lot over the last couple of weeks about the power of um, partnership, the power of community, the power of doing life together. And we're just going to get this straight before I, I'm just going to turn this off. Dean, I oh wow, there we go. Dean, I can share. You know, back in the day, I used to worry about the stuff like this because I was like, oh, people are going to freak out because you know we don't have all the transitions right and the microphones are wigging people out. And then I realized that church is so much bigger than a sound issue or a, a video not working or like. And if really, if you if if. Uh, if that's really the deciding factor in life, there's going to be a lot more difficulties in our life that we face than some feedback off of a mic, right? There's just things that we'll do. But over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about the power of uh, partnership, about living in community. And so whether you're here today and you, you don't, you've never met Sharon, or whether you've only known her for a short time or maybe just in a passing way, or maybe you're like me and... I don't remember a time when Sharon wasn't here. The truth is that we all can learn from testimonies that go before us. And that's the power of doing life in community. When we just show up for a sermon, when we show up just kind of for uh, uh, a, um, a, a, an exciting moment in, 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 an hour, in an hour and 20 minute moment, we miss so much of it because the Bible says we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of testimonies. There are testimonies that help us grow in these things. And that's the power of a community. When you can grow in testimony, the Bible says iron sharpens iron. And sometimes that happens when we're sitting next to each other. And sometimes that happens when we're in shoulder to shoulder or forged. And sometimes it happens on a morning like this. When many of us have watched for six years. Some of us watched for 20 years. The life of a woman, the life of a man, the life of a mother, the life of a father, the life of a friend who is living, who lived life well for her king. 
And that, my friends, that should encourage us and spur us. And today, it's okay. I don't know if we're going to make it through today. I, 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 I was fine. I was driving it. I'm like, damn, I think I'm good. You know, God's going to make a way. You know, you got, come on, anybody have the preacher moment? You know, the preacher thing, you know, God's going to make a way. It's going to be all right. It's going to be good. I walked in the door. I saw him. I just started bawling. We got, I walked into pre-worship. It was pre-worship. They were practicing worship. I'm, I'm like crying. But I'm not crying because I don't think there's hope. I'm crying because I know there is hope. And so today, can I really encourage you? You're in the right place. In the right time, in the right moment. And this is community. This, this right here. This right here. This right here. We so appreciate it. And Danielle said it some, uh, a few moments ago. We've gotten so many emails and texts and people commenting on social media, and I love that stuff. It's great. I love the fact that the reach of social media, but that's not real community. I've got my Facebook community. No, you don't. You've got a bunch of people on a list that actually can say hi to you, but it's not community. Your Starbucks community isn't a community. It's a place where you get coffee together. This, this is community. This is real life with real challenges, with real people who serve a real God, who live in a real world, and we do it in a real way. And so that's what we're going to just talk a little bit. We're going to share. I asked, I know uh, Pastor D said that Pastor Ron and Irene are um, away on their uh, 30th anniversary. And, you know, they didn't, they were like, we're not going to go. And we're like, go. Um, that's a way of honoring Sharon, too. Um, and I just asked uh, the four of us to share not a memory of Sharon, because we'll be doing that when we have the service of celebration for her life in a few weeks. But something they learned from, about Jesus from her. Because that's what I'm saying. When we come to church together, it's not just simply to celebrate together. It's we can sharpen each other in Jesus. And that's why we, we have to move past easy conversations and just, hey, how you doing? How's job? How's family? Into how's life? What's really going on? How are we doing this thing together? This is about real life because we serve a real God. So I'm going to start with Pastor John. And Pastor John actually has, yeah, you worked with Sharon very, very, very closely for a long time. So yeah, when Pastor Kyle's text came through, he said, hey, can you, would you be willing to share about uh, something that Sharon taught you about the kingdom? I was like, well, if you guys think that you can talk and make it through without breaking down and sobbing tears, then I guess I'm willing to give it a shot. <laughs> but uh, the answer to that was easy because I loved what you said, Pastor D, about like she didn't sit down and say, okay, here's the lesson that I'm teaching you right now. It was just watching her life. You learn lessons all the time. And I was trying to remember when I remember meeting Sharon, like you were saying, and I, and I don't know that I have the, the time, but I think I remember meeting her around my senior year of high school. Um, so that was a long time ago. I think it was like 18 years ago that I remember meeting her. And I remember people talking about her, and they're like, oh, she's really cool, and, like, she does marathons and stuff. And I'm like, oh, that's really intimidating. Like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. That's very intimidating to me because I'm like, 
a, a lap around <laughs> the block. Like that's a lot. So marathons is is very intense. Um, and I got to really get to know her and work along work underneath of her in the finance office and work alongside of her for many many over well over a decade. I I, I don't know how long it was. It was well over a decade. Because um, like Pastor Kyle said, I don't remember a time when Sharon wasn't functioning in that capacity. Um, but I remember one time I said to Sharon, okay, I need, some, I, need to, I need some money to get some new Christmas decorations for church. And she said, okay, great, your budget is $100. And I was like, that'll make it halfway down the boardwalk. <laughs> because this place is huge, so it doesn't, it's not like an easy thing. But Sharon, if, you, if you don't know Sharon... Uh, was our CFO and really stewarded the finances beautifully. And, uh, and I was like, wow, that's, that's really not a lot of money. Like, I don't know what to do with that. And so for a long time, I thought, well, Sharon just doesn't like to spend money. And then I would watch her quietly and, s- and as silently as possible bless people yeah. and yeah. take care of needs. And, oh, this person has this going on in their life. Oh, Sharon was the first person to send a gift card or a meal or whatever. She was often the person who let us know about it because she because she was she just had an awareness of it. But still, when it came to spending money for church, it was like nope. And I'm like, oh, uh, all right, all right. And then about a year and a half ago, she and her husband were doing a major renovation in their house for some things that needed to be done, and they asked me if I would be willing to do the design and do the. Um, do all like furnish the house I was like yeah that'd be great because my wife and I had pretty much finished working on our house and I really wanted a creative project of some sort and I wanted to spend someone else's money on some things for the house for once instead of my own and um, all along that process I worked to stick as close to the budget as I possibly could because I knew I was working with Sharon and I knew how important budgets were to her and I saw quickly a difference and and it really kind of came to a head when it came to time to do the countertops I was like all right Sharon and I was used to working with her in the church finance capacity I was like if you needed to help if you needed something to be not just the basic version the better version you needed to really say like here's why this is significantly better for this moment and so we started talking about the countertops I'm like all right so here's the one that is closest to budget this, this, this is what, it, what it's like. And then there's another one that I think would be great, but it's XYZ over budget. And she's like, okay, let's get that one. And I was like, do you want to like, see the samples? <laughs> Anything? No, I trust you. Let's get that one. That'd be great. And I was like, who is this person that I'm working with right now who's like, yeah, let's spend the money. Let, let's do it. And I just couldn't figure it out. Like I really, truly, genuinely didn't understand but I've worked with you for so long, and like, your no is very quick, and always kind, like there was never like a meanness to the no, but it was always so quick. And then I realized that Sharon understood her assignment. She understood the assignment of stewarding the finances of the church. She understood the assignment that Pastor Kyle and Danielle had given to her, she understood the God-given gifts and abilities that she had for us to even still be sitting in this room. (laughs) Because if it wasn't for Sharon, we wouldn't still be sitting in this room because of the way that she chose to steward the finances. 
And I think for me, that was such a strong moment of recognizing that we need to be laser focused into the purpose that God has put in front of us. And how easy it is to miss that in the midst of everything. But she took what God had given her and she said, I'm going to take stewarding this seriously. I'm going to take this responsibility seriously. I'm going to do what has been asked of me seriously. Even if people don't like me because I'm saying no to them all the time, I'm going to steward this seriously. I'm going to function in my responsibility in a kind way, in a beautiful way, and in a responsible way. And... I love the way that she went about doing that. And, and part of what I love about that is that if these guys were like, hey, we, we need to do this. She'd be like, okay, yeah. let's do it. There was, never a hesit- there was never like a absolutely not. Like we can't do that. And I think it's worth noting that um, the disciple Judas did the finances. And the moment at which he went off to Um, We see this in Luke and in John. Um, The moment in which he says, never mind, let me sell this guy, is when there was an expensive offering brought. The perfume in the alabaster box was brought to pour over Jesus' head. And he's like, why didn't we sell that and do X, Y, Z with that? And that's when he then went to the Pharisees to betray Jesus. When he saw money being spent in a way that he didn't agree with. Now, let me tell you something. In church life, there's a lot of decisions to make on a constant day-to-day basis. And I think that it is worth noting that Sharon functioned in that role and always said, God, what is my responsibility and how do I steward this? And she never said, this is mine. And I think that we can have a tendency when we get invested in something to start to say this is mine instead of recognizing I'm stewarding something of God's. And for me, I think one of the greatest and most recent lessons, and, and there, like we could, we could all talk for that until, un, until the trumpet sounds, and we could all talk about all the lessons, but for me, one of the, the lessons that Sharon has taught me is stewarding what God has given me responsibly. And I think I want to understand my assignment the way that Sharon understood her assignment. And I want to carry the awareness of the assignment the way that Sharon carried the awareness of her assignment. And she never stopped doing that. She was the person who, if it's 10 o'clock at night, you're getting emails from Sharon (laughs) because she is understanding her assignment. I'm going to work to carry with me. I learned a lot of things from Sharon. And what I put together for the very few minutes didn't take me long because it was so apparent. The first thing I insight I got was from my wife Kathy and uh, a lot of people when they get into a crisis they seek God because they need something and that's not nothing wrong with that but when Sharon hit her crisis with cancer uh, she sought God because she wanted to know him better and it drove her into the word of God and uh, the scripture in Matthew 11 28 is an 
and is the epitome of what she did. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And uh, it hit me that, you know, she was in a world of debits and credits as a certified public accountant. And uh, as I look at my life, um, she motivated me to be able to do what Jesus did, and that is to make more credits and deposits rather than withdrawals as an ATM machine got it. It's more than an ATM machine. And she did that continually through those years that she had cancer. She really, really delved into the Word of God. And I, kn I know it gave, it gave him great pleasure. We've been talking a lot about partnership and community here at Connect, and my goodness, did she get it. Um, she never considered herself above anybody else, respected all people, and in turn was respected. And uh, she was so approachable. She had many communities in her life. Uh, her Jerusalem was this church family. Her Judea was the, uh, the Belmont Avenue neighborhood uh, that existed. I was there with Pastor John recently, and uh, some lady walked in, uh, didn't say a word. Nobody said a word to her, and did her business, and turned out and went out the door, you know. It took me three doors to find the right door of entry. She walked right in, and I felt like I was in a scene from Everybody Loves Raymond, you know. Uh, but that's the way I kind of grew up in the, in the 50s and 60s uh, as a neighborhood. People coming in, they don't need an invitation. They just, her Samaria was her business communities, CFO of Tom's Rumi, Ch Cherry Hill, a college professor. I don't know how she did it. Uh, her life was so full. And the uttermost parts of the world was overseeing the missions of our church, the Harrises in Nepal and other ministries. But the thing that really impressed me in the difference is we can attend things. We can have people in our lives. I know a lot of parents, they're in the room with their kids, but they're not present, you know. My wife, Kathy, gets a little bit of that when I have the remote. I'm in the room, but I, I am not present. But Sharon was present in the lives of her communities and a great influence. As I look back on my life, I, I, I said this once before, uh, I would have liked to have done a better job in my neighborhood. And I have an opportunity, I have an opportunity. There are um, five new families moving into a building right next to where we live. And we've been praying for the tenants to be God's tenants, not our tenants, God's tenants. And uh, I'm, I'm purposed in my life to, and, and so is my wife, Kathy, to make a difference in those lives that are moving next door. And Sharon helped me reflect on that. She was a woman of conviction, great conviction. I mean, Pastor John hit a little bit about it. But it was tempered with humility, and uh, she was meek, but that's strength under control. And her yeses were yeses and her noes, noes, but they were tempered. They weren't legalistic, and she had a, just a marvelous way of having that balance. Um, she, when she did something, she did it 100%, just like Jesus. Colossians 3.23 says, whatever you do, do it enthusiastically as some thing done for the Lord and not for men. That was her. She had a great penchant for details. I'm more of that artistic type, you know, need the details to, to my life. So I admire people that are very, very structured and have that great discipline, and she had that. She owned, like you said, what she was given the responsibility for. And uh, the application of my life is, when you get, do a lot of things well and you're gifted, and I say this in all humility, but acknowledge it, 
80% for me, I could get away with it really often, you know. But that delta between the 80 and the 100% uh, is, is a great difference, and it's what God wants out of me and all of us, actually. She was a woman of faith, as everybody knows. She walked by faith, and to believe otherwise for her was like anathema, you know. That, uh, you know and she loved her family and her fellow man. She loved her neighborhood. She loved her neighbors as herself. And that was Jesus' command, wasn't it, to us? One of the two great commandments. And she had the greatest unbridled, kind of a cackle laugh, spontaneous. I won't even dare to, to, to try to duplicate it because, like her, it will be sorely missed. Um, Proverbs 7 to 22 says, A merry heart really does a spirit, soul, and body good like medicine. And she brought that to us. Pastor Kyle has helped me with my definite of legacy. It's not only what you leave behind, but it's what you leave behind that grows. And uh, we are all part of her legacy. And we honor her today, and we honor uh, her life. And uh, I think our responsibility is to do what Pastor Kyle asked us to do this morning, and that is to see the things that in Jesus and her, absorb them into our lives and do likewise. And uh, it's a privilege to be here, to be here, to be able to say these things. And like Pastor John said, to be here till the Eagles game tonight and, and, and share. But uh, thank you for that. Before I share my thing, <laughs> Jane, I think I'm supposed to tell you something. <laughs> it was a really wonderful exchange that Sharon and I had out of the blue. And it was like a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. And um, we were at the house and she said, you know, um, Sharon's always like very straightforward. <laughs> But like in the last handful of weeks, she was just like straight as an arrow forward. And she said, um, totally, we weren't even, we weren't talking about you. <laughs> and she said, um, Jamie's been, James been great. And I said, oh yeah? And he sa she said, no really, like, he's doing great with me. He's, he's learned to know what I need before I know it and way before I ask for it. And, he's, and he never isn't getting upset with me when I snap at him. And I'm, sometimes I'm snarky because I'm in pain and, and he's been just patient. And I was like, yeah, sure. I was like, that's so good. And then she just looked at me and she said, he's a really good man. It's true. And you know what, James? She didn't know that she was giving that to me to say to you, but that was a gift from her to you. She looked me dead in the eye when she said it, and she didn't have to say that. And it was all Cher. Yeah. And if we know Cher, and she said nothing she didn't mean. She like it or not. <laughs> <laughs> so... 
My thing is, I mean, there's no way to say, I just, I will fail. But um, one of the last times that Sharon was talking with me and it was, I think it was Shayla, Pastor Lisa, Pastor Irene. I, there, was a, there was a couple of us on a call. And um, we started talking about how we feel like we need to shift a little bit the direction of shoulder to shoulder and to really focus in on really studying the word. Because Sharon has been carrying that same weight of like pressing time and not be, not her time. Like the pressing yeah. of time, she has talked to me about yeah. a lot. And so she was very excited that we were t taking this shift towards really starting to like get in there. Yeah. And um, so everybody was kind of Sharon and um, we're on screens, right? So I see Sharon and like by now I can tell when she's um, agitated. And, uh, and I said, so Cher, you need, you know, like, it was like, do you need to go or whatever? She's like, you know, um, and she started to get emotional. And Sharon was very clear towards the end of her life that when she would get emotional, it wasn't because she was sad for herself, but because she was very moved about something. Yeah. And she didn't want to be misunderstood. So I truly thought this is the moment where she's going to be sad for herself because we're talking about something that we're going to do in January, and she's seeing herself in January. And she said, and I wrote it down because, as with anything with Sharon, you can't ever say what she says. And we were talking about us us as a couple of women, not asking the church to become selfless, devoted disciples without us doing that. And that was what we were talking about. And all within this realm of we have to understand the limitations of time that are on us all right now. And she started to cry. And like I said, I thought that this is it. This is the point where she's going to finally say, yep. I'm crying for me. And this is what she said. I'm crying because I actually feel bad for everyone who hasn't gone through what I have gone through and has not had to face what I'm facing because they don't have the clarity that I have now because of this. So many of the things that seem so important that aren't really important at all still have so much of their attention they don't understand how good it is just to be with God and for him to literally be the only thing that matters and that exists in this life and beyond. And um, when she said all that, there was like six million things to learn. And she said they don't understand. The way that she said it, however she phrased it, it made me realize she wasn't saying, like, we can't understand it unless we go through what she's going through. 
She just said they don't. Like, we still have a chance. We still have a choice. But we just haven't yet. And even though this awakened Sharon's spirit, it didn't bring it to life. It was already alive. And a spirit that's alive can try to live this life. A life that knows that there's all of the things but doesn't live for all of the things. And I say that this is a lesson that she taught. It's not a lesson I have learned yet. Because like many of you, I crawled here today. But she left here last Sunday. Yep. You know what I mean? Like she, she left here. And she left not because it was easy and not because it was expected. It was the most unexpected leap I've ever seen. And at the end of the service, she stood, and we all know that that was literally right, James, like, ha she had to come, right? And I, I got here and I text her and I was going to ask her again, like, do you want me to come over? I was here and she's like, the plan is that I'm coming to church. And I'm like, Cher, you can't stand up. Cher, you're in bed. You got the, she's like, I'm doing it. And like she would say, remind them I'm nobody. <laughs> like I can, it's like, she's like, don't, I wasn't a superhero. She was just in love. She just fell in love with God, yeah. and it meant that she loved us. Yeah. And we don't have to wait until we hit the wall that Sharon hit yeah. to love like that. I don't know. <laughs> oh, man. Before I even um, <coughs> go any further, let me just say that for Danielle and I, we were completely honored to be her pastors. Um, and she let us pastor her. And uh, I was even more honored to call her friend. And in this world that we live in, in our world, <coughs> That ability to call someone in your house friend and true friend is very limited. But for us, Sharon was there. The good, the bad, the ugly, she was there. And for that, I will always be grateful. Not because she took care of the budget and not because I could text her at you know, I woke up, I can't tell you how many times I woke up at seven to multiple emails, multiple texts, multiple, you know, like she was and so excited about doing it all. And it's not, I could ask her to meet the plumber or I could ask her to pick up any, like it didn't matter. It's her willingness to serve was not defined by title. It was defined by her heart. And she just was a servant. 
as many of you know, because she served you. <clears throat> I could, I've learned so much from Sharon, um, more than I can say in one service by, by far, from her optimism, um, regardless of the challenges that we faced throughout the years, and she faced many and so many um, uh, her integrity that was in unwavering. Like if you, like in, I'm talking about, it didn't matter who was sitting across the table. Like she had integrity and she was like, we're not doing that. And I'm like, yeah, but we can, we're not doing that. Like this, this it didn't matter. She was unfazed by whoever was across the table, whether it was a mayor, whether it was a pastor, whether it was, you know, any, somebody of power. She was always unfazed. Her wisdom, she was so wise um, and yet she still contained a willingness to learn. And I think for me, that's so rare in today's world that have wisdom and yet be so humble to continue to be want to be a learner. And she would learn, like she would always ask, always. She's like, yeah, 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 oh, God, that's so good. Oh, I didn't even see that. I didn't even see that. And I'm like, you're so brilliant. She's like, but there's a willingness to learn. Um, her ability, by the way, to be a ninja. Sharon was the original ninja. Like she just dropped in like to, and like blessed people and they didn't, like you didn't even see it come in and she just blessed you. There are so many people. Can I just say there are people I know online right now as well who have been blessed and you don't even know it's Sharon who blessed you. And that is something in this world that's so powerful, not just the blessing, but the blessing without the credit. Like Jesus said, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Wow, how different would life be? But I think it's easy to celebrate and learn, especially today, from people who have lived life well. Sharon lived a life that was lived well. And I think that's what Sharon did. She, she lived her life well for the king. Um, and at the end of it all, I think, you know, if we really ask ourselves this question, isn't that the thing that's most worth at the end of it all? Like, to be able to say, I lived my life well for the king? Like, really, isn't, isn't that, at the end of it all, more important than achieving that promotion that, that you won't satisfy us anyway? Isn't it more important than, you know, letting our kids be on the travel team but never in, never in church? Compromising our faith to keep the peace with whoever we have to keep it with. Like at the end of the day, when we take our final breaths, what kind of peace can we have when we know we lived a life well for the king and his kingdom? I think one of the things that Sharon taught me the most, especially in these last 60 years, is the majesty of hope. The majesty of hope. Not just hope for things, and you, you've helped us understand this so much. Not just hope for things. Don't get me wrong, Sharon hoped for healing. Like, we heard her pray. I know, if you've been around, if you were around her, for, she had hope for healing. She had hope for lots of things. There, was, there, there were things that she was definitely hoping for, but so, many, so often, some of the things that she was hoping for were for other people. 
Like, that's what the really cool thing. Like, when, when you talked about Sharon about what she was actually hoping for, she was hoping for things, and it's actually because it was going to bless other people. Uh, and, and she had hope for her friends, that her friends would see her life and witness her testimony, and they would give their lives to Jesus. And listen, this is the truth. That's one of the reasons she wanted healing so bad. Not just for herself, but because she was worried that if it didn't manifest on this side of the veil that her friends and family members, people around her that she cared about would not want to come to Jesus. Think about that for a moment. Someone who was suffering the way she was suffering and her, the hope that was driving her to be healed wasn't to get out of the pain, wasn't simply to get healed so that she could go to Disney World. It was so that her friends could come to Jesus. Like, for me, that's a life well lived. That's the kind of hope we're talking about. See, the truth is, it's so easy uh, when hope is lost. It is so easy to be lost when we hope for something, when, when we're hoping for something, when, when, our, when our hope is based and focused on receiving something. Listen, even if that something is good, can we agree healing is good? And it's not even selfish. But at times, when our focus on hope is on something, to receive something, when that something doesn't show up the way that we think it should show up, it's easy, especially in times like this, to give up on hope. To question hope. Is hope even real? Is God even real? Is this life wasted? That's why the Bible tells us in Proverbs 13, 12, hope deferred, hope lost. When we, when we don't get it, it's easy for our heart to get sick. It's easy for us to, to lose our way. And can I tell us, in times like this, there's only two ways. There's the way that leads to life and the way that will lead you to depression, to anxiety, to stress, to deconstructing faith, they're the only two ways. But what Sharon had is not hope for something. Sharon had what the word tells us we need, hope in someone. Hope in someone. Oh, she trusted doctors and she, 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 she believed still in medicine and all of those things. But her hope was never in any of that. Her hope was in Jesus. Like, not, 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 not the well, I kind of hope. No, no, my hope is in Jesus. Jesus. Like, Jesus. You talked to Sharon over the last six years. Jesus. This is about Jesus. Like, if Jesus is going to show up, and if he doesn't show up, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show up in Jesus. Jesus. It was hope in Jesus, in him. Because she had a living hope, my friends. That's what we have. We have a living hope. Peter says, even though he died, he rose again. We have a living hope. Her hope was in him. He, him, the king. Because he loves us. Because he loved her. And as Dee said, she fell in love with him. How many things are distracting us from actually just taking the moment to really be in love with him? really be in love with him. Like, really? Do we have to go through this suffering? 
to come to that place? Or can we take the gift that Sharon gave us of being willing, like Jesus, to go through suffering so that we don't need to, so that we can learn this one thing, that life in Christ is the answer. It's not life for something through Christ. It's not life for a better life in Christ. It is life with Christ that is the answer. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 13, right? Out of everything else in all the world, three things remain. Faith, hope, and love. (laughs) And she had this majestic hope in Jesus. Because of his love. And she could have faith in Jesus because of his love. And she could trust that love to decide how that faith would play out. What freedom we can find in Jesus if we know that he loves us. We could put our lives in his hand in the most pressing of times. And he will not fail us on this side of the veil or the next. Sharon, I was saying to Dee the other day, Sharon reminds me a little bit like the woman with the issue of blood, right? Because she activated most of her faith when no one saw her. When she was just reaching out and touching Jesus, there was faith going on. And it was Jesus that she really loved. Don't get me wrong, she loved this church. (laughs) She loved it. She loved this house. She loved the people here. She loved to work in ministry so much that finally, it was like finally last week, she was like, yeah, I I can't. Dude, you got to find somebody to do this. And we're like, like truly, for like two years, we were like, Sharon, we need that. And she's like, no, I'm doing this. I'm serving the Lord. She, She would be, she was, some of you know, like she was like in her chair, in her room with her laptop, I'm like, what are you doing? She's like, I'm serving the Lord. I'm like, okay, I'm not arguing with you. You still can beat me up. I know that. She loved Jamie and the boys beyond measure. Because at the core of it, she loved Jesus. And not in the, well, I love Jesus type of way. But she truly loved Jesus. And that's what enabled her to do what Danielle just said a few days ago before she was going to see him face to face to come in to worship in this house. I can't tell you how many days (laughs) I could have given myself the excuse, right? Well, I don't know. I'm tired today or I'm feeling a little sick today or I have a trip coming up or to not be in the house, especially post-pandemic, there's a thousand excuses not to be in the house. She did not come because she thought it would be wrong not to be in the house. She came because she loved the one in the house. And if it was going to be her last week, she wanted to make the last week with him in this house to worship him to stand in prayer when she could hardly breathe, to watch people get baptized and say, Jesus is my Lord. 
My friends, that's what real hope looks like. That kind of hope cannot be lost when the thing you're hoping for doesn't materialize. Because we hope for the hope for you and I is not hope for a better life. We have hope because when all hope is gone, when death comes for us all, we hope is manifest in his resurrection power and in his holy presence. And this is what I know. 1 Thessalonians 4 tells us this, that those of us in this room, we are not like those without hope. We are not like those without hope. We are not like those without hope. Because Jesus Christ died and he rose again and Jesus Christ is coming back for us. And the Bible says, I do not want you to be ignorant about those who have fallen asleep, that those of us who have fallen asleep, he has already come and met. So Friday, my heart was crushed when we got the phone call. Jamie had lost a wife. The kids had lost a mom. Family members had lost a sister. A daughter, a daughter-in-law. This church had lost a beautiful servant. And I'd lost a friend. Who was faithful to the end. And so Daniel and I were crushed. And yet, and yet, we could rejoice because we know that moment, that moment, that moment, that moment, that one moment when the veil parted, we are not like those without hope because when the veil parted, she saw the truth that she had given her life for. She realized she had not lived a lie. She had lived the truth. And she saw the king, not who she had just served, but who she was in love with. She knew it was real. And in that moment, she was made whole. In that moment, there was no pain. In that moment, there was no guilt. In that moment, sin and everything in this world faded away, and she was made complete. And in that moment, that one that she loved met her face to face. And he said, I'm positive he said these words, well done, my good and faithful servant. You lived a life well lived. And she would be embarrassed for me to say this, but I know this to be true. That when she entered in, there was a line of those people, those little ninja drops that she did. Those things that no one will ever know. I can't tell you how many people have said to us, man, we wouldn't be alive today if it wasn't for Sharon. We, were, we would have lost our house if it wasn't for Sharon. We would, have, we would have been able to eat if it wasn't for Sharon. I'd be homeless if it wasn't for Sharon. Those people, oh, they're already in line. 
because it was a life well lived. She had success in this world. She had honors in this world. She could run the pants off of anybody in this room. She would have given it all up, and she did. Because her hope was not for something. It was in somebody. And she chose to do what Danielle said. I'm going to not be distracted by the things of this world, whether they be success or sickness, whether they be fame or frailty. I will not be distracted from the one thing that matters the most, loving my king and his kingdom in a real way. I don't know what you're placing your hope in. I know the one she placed her hope in, and he is the resurrection and the life. And he's the one who promised, even if we die, we shall live because he's going to prepare a place for us. Dad and I talk all the time about being raised with a mentality that I know Jesus is Lord, but I better make sure I have more good things on the good tally than bad things on the bad tally. Jesus is the way, Jesus is the truth, and Jesus is the life. And Jesus is the only way to the Father. That's it. That's it. That's it. So we're going to pray. Because this is what I know. Something I learned from her, about her, is that her biggest hope is that no one would be left behind. No one would be left behind. And so she helped build this ark <laughs> because she knew the rain was coming. No one be left behind. You cannot put your hope in your good works. You cannot put your hope and the fact that you are not that bad. The criteria of heaven is perfection, which disqualifies every one of us in this room. And so it brings us back to the one she loved in Christ and Christ alone. We have salvation. So today, if you want that living hope, if you want that certainty, that peace that Pastor Rick talked about, peace that passes all understanding, the peace of letting him carry your life, if, if you want to know your assignment, this is the first one. The first assignment we all carry is to come and be a disciple of Jesus, come and follow me. 
I'm not asking you if you've been a good person or if you've grown in church. I'm asking you, have you ever stopped and asked Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of your life? Have you said, you're my hope? I have hope in no other. I surrender. I surrender. I surrender. And if that's what you want to do today, we're all going to pray right now. I'm going to ask us all to pray out loud. But I'm asking you, if you're honest about this today, if you want the hope that Sharon had, if you want the hope that the word promises us, the hope of peace in Jesus, life forevermore, it simply comes, the Bible says, by confessing Jesus as Lord with your mouth and believing in your heart that what he did for you is enough. There is nothing else. And when you can confess that and believe that, it will produce something in your heart that says, I want to go after that one. I want to chase him. I want to follow him. And I'm not going to be distracted by the things of this world. If that's you, just pray with me. Just say, dear Lord Jesus, here I am today. I've come broken. I've come vulnerable. I've come to seek you. I need you, Jesus. I repent of all the things I've done. I repent from trying to do it my own way. I'm asking you, Jesus, today to come and be the Lord and Savior of my life. I believe you did enough. I believe you did it all. I'm placing my hope in you. Change me from the inside out. Forgive my sin. Make me your child. Help me from being distracted. I choose today to live for you. I make you my Savior and my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen and amen. Can you just give God some glory? Father, we love you. Do you want to say anything before? just keep hearing that there's that little refrain I don't even know if I'm going to know the words but um, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus blood and righteousness I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all of the ground is sinking sand all other ground is sinking sand
church, we love you. Cher loved you. On December the 8th, it's a Thursday in the morning, we're going to gather here. Begins at 10, service at 11. And we're going to cherish her here in her house, in this house. And I just want to say one thing, and it's that I'm grateful that I knew someone who taught me about redemption. You have no idea the things she has done for me and helped me to receive from the Lord. And I promise you that I've shared was not a part of that journey, I probably wouldn't be standing here. So this church truly was built by a woman who loved her God and loved us. And there's no better way to love her back than what we just did. Church, we're going to leave. We're going to go in a second. But I <laughs> just want to encourage you as you get ready to go. Uh, I know, if we didn't take an offering, I'm like, I know, Sharon be like, you, you didn't take an offering? And, and, and I was thinking about this this morning, and this is the truth. Like, this is the truth. This is, this, this is, this is, do you know how the Bible says um, we should come into the kingdom like a child? Like, Sharon and I have, like, a thousand conversations, and they all sound like this when it comes to offering. Just tell them to give. It's in the Bible. Like, seriously, she'd be like, and I, and I be like, I know, but you got to explain it. She goes, no, what do I have to explain? The Bible says this is what we do. And I'm like, I know, Sharon, but you got to, no, this is just, just, it's, it, just tell them to give. It's in the Bible. So here's my Sharon offering. Give, it's in the Bible. There you go. Give, it's in the Bible. It's offering envelopes. You can drop them in the gold kiosks. Give online, there's a QR code, or as Sharon would always say, a QVR code. I always love that, QVR. Thoughts like QVC. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ and his righteousness. I shall not trust the sweetest faith but holy trust in Jesus' name. Church, I pray as you go this week that the things of this earth that have distracted you may fall strangely dim.
in the light of his glory and of his grace. I wrote this to the team this morning, and I want to end service by telling you this. For many of us, we came and we were like, this is our first week Sunday without Sharon for a long time, like first weekend. And then I was thinking, the truth is, no. The Bible says that we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses who are cheering us on. And as she cheered you on in life, she is cheering you on in glory. Live a life well lived for the king and his kingdom and nothing else will give you peace like that. May the Lord God Almighty bless you. May he keep you. May his face shine upon you. May his spirit give you rest. May his presence go before you. May he order your footsteps as he orders the footsteps of the righteous. May you find confidence in the truth that he has you, you engraved in the very palm of his hand. May your feet not falter, slip, or fall off the path. May you feel his wind of his spirit at your back. May you know the hope of Jesus Christ, the one true king who came, who died, who rose again, and is coming back. May you walk in that peace this week. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. God bless you, church. We'll see you next week.